0: Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. This is Eric Relf with Comstock Investments out of our Royal Iowa office. I'm joined by Justin McKinney in Rochester, Minnesota. How are we doing today, Justin?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Eric. How about yourself?
0: Well, I think uh, the negative undertone to end the week here, uh, at least we did see a little green. But man, when you look at these weekly numbers, it's been a little brutal. Down 33 cents in the December corn, uh, almost 50 cents in November beans for the week. Just weather, we're seeing some other things happening here.
1: Well, it's funny that I'm on the podcast today, Eric, because I believe right before Memorial weekend, Matthew had me and we were down in the 480s, 490s. We closed back up close to five bucks. And I said, I'm going to take that as a win for the week. Right. And to be honest with you, we went down, tested down. We didn't get that low this week, but bulls and green on the week. There is some weather in the forecast that is slightly bearish, but it almost feels like we've overdone it possibly to the downside, as you said, 33 cents for the week, that seems pretty, pretty large.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And you're not seeing, okay, areas are getting rain. There's no doubt. I mean, I have a client in North central Missouri called me. uh, I can't remember. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday morning. He says, well, we got a rain last night. And I said, Oh yeah, what'd you get? And he said, I don't know. My gauge only holds five inches and it's still coming down. So, you know, those kind of rains have fallen places, but for him, like he said, you know, that'll help the beans. Uh, which is good because they need it but the corn's already done for him you know it's not going to help they're they're already pretty well filled out and waiting to see how things turn out but yeah yeah that 33 cents in the corn seems excessive and you know aside from this forecasted august weather i can't see anything that paints a bearish picture for the soybeans right now
1: you know and so to follow that comment up about your missouri client i also have clients uh that North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota triangle who continue to call in and say they have 22-inch row beans that are not closed with two bean pods.
0: On the 22 Um, rows.
1: On 22, right, exactly. So, you know, I understand that's not a huge production area when you look at the I-States and Nebraska, Southern Minnesota, places like that. But looking at the bean market, those beans feed the processor market. Right. Um, those beans now, if they're not there, are gonna have to pull from east to west against the natural flow of the of the cash grain market. And I wonder if that's not gonna provide some underlying support with these crushers out there, huge margins. You can't let beans slip out, out the door accidentally on exports. And we have been having decent flash export sales.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're seeing that foreign demand come across, and particularly with China and unknown destination sales over the last couple of weeks, you know, that's big. We even saw some some big flash meal exports along the way here. Um, well, export sales. Uh, and then the loadouts come out pretty good the last couple of weeks. And, and so we're seeing some follow-through on these purchases, um, all while we're at or near record crush margins domestically, and they're not going to slow down. And we have more plants coming online yet this year. I know of one in Southeast Kansas, in the uh, in Montgomery County near Cherryville, Kansas, that's getting ready to open there on a hiring spree right now to try to get opened up for this fall's crop. So it's still coming online. It's still increasing. The record margins are still there. And we can't seem to get any footing. And that that bothers me in a way, but I wonder how much of this is just the market waiting to say, prove it.
1: Well, and to follow that up, Eric, the one thing that I haven't heard this year is a lot of times you see when markets are wildly inverted, processors don't want to get along the physical beans with unknown meal sales coming in, you know, versus an inverted market, September, early October. I've not heard a lot of stories about bean plants taking downtime.
0: Right. Yeah. You're not getting the, the scheduled maintenance this year, right?
1: Yeah. And at two and a half, $3 margins, I guess- I'm going to run it till it breaks, you
0: know? Well, sure. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know why anyone would expect something different, yet the market can't seem to feed into that that idea. And, and so I guess that's been a little surprising. On the corn, I get the acres number that come out on June 30th was just massive. And I think we're still here a month later trying to figure out how does that really measure up and, and what's the realities of that number. Obviously, when you're adding acres in the United States, you're adding fringe acres, um we're not producing more iowa black dirt anywhere in the world let alone in the u.s and and there's nothing there's none of that to break out so you're not breaking out premium acreage but the sheer number the vastness of that i i think the market's been finding that a tough pill to swallow
1: well and i'll attribute some of this and correct me if you you think this is off the wall but to the algorithms trading all's we hear in the news all's you hear on twitter all's you hear On the wires is more acres, rain, um, negative things that are that are pushing the market down. No demand. How many? I I can't go a day without seeing something about how poor demand is.
0: Yeah. New crop demand, new crop demand, new crop demand.
1: Yeah. Now, I, I get it. We can't put our head in the sand and be an ostrich and say that, well, the demand is there. But when you continually beat that drum it's all the market really has to trade and you start tripping some of these algo trading, you know, it just makes me wonder if we're not over pushing this to the downside.
0: Well, and I would agree. And I think, you know, and I've told clients this, I think there's limited risk to the downside from here. I think there's a chance we could go test that prior low in that 480 range. Uh, But in my opinion, based on what we're seeing today, uh, I don't even know that we'll get that done. And to me, that seems like a maximum downside for the short term. Now you start to talk to people all over the country and maybe start to paint a picture of a lower yield that we probably won't see reflected on the August 11th report, but maybe we do see a little more reduction in this August report. But, you know, I put out that report a couple of days ago, um, talking to people from Pennsylvania to North Dakota, to Texas and everywhere in between and including the mid South. And I guess if I'm going to try to take that sampling And come up with a number, I'm going to be a little light of last year's 173. I might struggle to make 170. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how we finish out here, especially as we come into the fill stage. And uh, I tell you here, if we don't get this weekend's rains, we're going to be going over the edge a little bit here.
1: You know, and to follow that up a little bit, that 173, how much of that's in the market already? I, I feel like at the beginning of the week, we probably had that priced in. We had some different brokerage, larger brokerage houses push out some larger yield numbers this week, again, hitting yeah. the algorithms, hitting the people by surprise. I, I kind of sit back and think, if we find a surprise, is it going to be on a smaller yield when the combine rolls?
0: That's exactly what I'm thinking. Uh, I, I'm on the exact same page with you. The, and, and to me, that's a little bit of a problem, too, because we're still away from the combine, Right.
1: And where do you start from? Do you start at uh, uh, 481 um, or do you start at 470? Does that 480 hold? That's always the question, right?
0: Yeah. Or do you get in the combine with a market at 570? We don't know where we're going to be at that point, but you know, the areas that are done like Southern Texas, you know, one client I talked to in Uvalde County, best crop he's ever seen. And we're not talking about a spring chicken either. He's seen a lot of crops. Uh, He said there was only about a 20 bushel variance between irrigated and dry land. He's never seen it that close before. So there are some things that have been positive, but a big chunk of the area, you know, I got a picture today uh, from South Central Iowa and he said, look at the tip back on that. And I said, I don't know if I'd call that tip back or kernel forward. It was about a third kernel and and two thirds tip back.
1: Well, you know, and I got a client out in Nebraska who three weeks ago was raving about his dry corners and how great it was going to be. And we always know that when those dry corners uh, bushel up, it sure moves the state yield. Yeah, for sure. I I talked to him this week and he was just, he even laughed about it and said, well, I guess I shouldn't have said that because they're not going to make anything.
0: A little different tune now.
1: huh? Yeah. A little different tune. Yeah. And
0: and that's the same thing that's going on in the likes of Nebraska um, and Kansas even, Uh, you know, everybody's talked about how much, uh wetter than normal Kansas has been and how much rainfall they've received and that's that's true that's absolutely accurate they have especially the western half of the state however when it shuts off that sandy soil just drops it and then they start to go backwards in a hurry and they're 100 degrees and, and you so know, now their corners are suffering
1: excuse me and you know to follow that up we were talking about the you know no demand in that line We've heard that so many times, but now this week we got a fairly friendly ethanol crush number.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Implied miles driven was fairly friendly. Uh, Who's letting corn out of their territory? And what's it, are they laying in the weeds waiting to buy it is what I'm wondering. Right.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of anticipatory buying still hiding in the bushes, like you say, and Maybe if we hold this level that we achieve this week, maybe that pulls them out a little bit. I don't know if we're that close or not, but you know, you look at basis levels all over the place too, and and it's telling you they're ready for it here locally. We're a dollar over. You go uh, 75 miles North and they're 80 cents over, you know, there's, there's just pretty solid basis levels right now.
1: I struggle also to see how hard they push it going into the crop report next week.
0: Yeah. And that's going to be, that's a major factor that's going to be weighing on traders next week, all week. Uh, In fact, they're already trading it a little bit is what's the USDA going to show us on Friday. And here again, we have a Friday report at 11 o'clock. We get two hours to trade it, try to digest this thing before the close. And it's just almost impossible. I think, like I said, I think weeks later, we were still trying to digest that acreage number. So there's a lot of balls in the air and it's tough to figure out which one needs to be focused on at any given time. Wheat market, obviously micro-focused on Black Sea headlines. I did think it was interesting this week is time and again, you'd get a headline in the overnight out of Russia, Ukraine, both, either, doesn't matter. And the Europeans would trade it hard and you'd see double-digit gains, sometimes 20, 30 cent gains. In the wheat, and then come six, seven a.m. You start to retreat a little bit. By nine thirty in the morning, you're back to negative territory. You've given all that back. So I think the Europeans kind of take those headlines a little more seriously. And then by the time we get to U.S. main trading during the day session, then we're taking it all away.
1: Again, I still follow up with the overtone of the market is still very negative based on the wheat price. Yeah, but wheat exports aren't that far off from projections.
0: No, like, what, 3% or something? I mean, it's it's very close.
1: So, you know, I guess you always pay attention to your backyard or your next door neighbor. And I'm sure if you live in Europe, that's very concerning what's going on. But it, it hits the United States market. We open up the board stronger, close lower. Seems to be the habit every day, right? hmm I have customers combining spring wheat that's 30 bushel.
0: Yeah. I had I had hard red winter clients uh in the areas that did get the rains. And and granted, I think most people understand that those rains came too little too late for a lot of a lot of the HRW country, but you know, the twenty thirty bushel and these this is in areas where you were hearing a lot of stories and reading the headlines about fifty, sixty bushel wheat. I mean and he's right in the middle of it, you know, kind of averaging twenty five. That was just that surprised me a little bit.
1: And, and, you know, to follow up that wheat market, though, all the actions in the Chicago pit anyway, and all sure. here is how big that SRW wheat crop is.
0: Yeah. And today, what's the only class that's positive? You know, that's kind of funny that Chicago pulls gains out today while you get double digit losses in the crops that maybe need the gains. Yeah. So you had mentioned ethanol earlier. Want to touch briefly on crude oil. Continue to make new highs for the moves. Everybody's uh, hating the gas pumps today. What... What do you make of the lack of response to the higher crude trade in the grain complex?
1: Concerning, um, you know, we did not see the follow through $81, $82 crude Saudi Arabia's uh, talking about another million barrel per day cut. I don't know if that's been announced yet or not, but just in general, I thought we would see that corn number. And, And maybe that's why we closed corn higher today, too.
0: Yeah, it may have been just a little lift from the crude oil. You know I understand the the factors you know you've got Saudi Arabia's chatter and you had a big reduction in uh u s inventory this week okay. in fact the largest in over forty years. so I do understand those things, but this market's been moving higher for a while, and now you've got a very technically traded market that is very overbought and making new well year highs. And uh, I, I think we're going to see some kind of correction there. I just hope that the grains will shrug, shrug off that correction when it does come, as well as they've shrugged off this rally.
1: It almost feels like it, they've divorced themselves some, right. somewhat, I would say.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So briefly, want to touch on livestock. Cattle cash trade has been just painstakingly slow for the last two weeks. Starting to see a little uptick today. I've heard ranges or 183 to 186 live. I did have one client over on the Iowa-Illinois border, sold 187. That's the highest number I've heard on a live basis. Still hearing 176, 78 bids in the Southern Plains with asking prices at 180 with no real reportable trade down there. And some 294 dressed in Nebraska today. Uh, any volume to speak of that you're seeing or hearing?
1: I have not heard of any volume. And I wonder if that isn't why we saw that fat cattle market rally into the close today. Um, you know, we had August fats up 252, October fats up 220. Um, if it's kind of anticipating higher cash coming after the close.
0: Yeah. And and I think we could see that. I mean, that's other than last week when we barely had any trade at all the whole week, you know, typically you will see higher trade on Fridays and maybe that gets reported come first of the week and, and they're trying to bake it into the market early here. Uh, flip over to the hog side of things, just a typical hog market back forth. Don't go anywhere. Cash index at one Oh five, uh, August hogs at one Oh one expiration on August 14th. What do we see there?
1: I anticipate maybe that August climbing a little bit higher towards that cash. Uh, We've been killing 10,000 head a day more this week. Uh, I believe even into last week that cash has been able to stay firm. The cutouts, uh, I kind of see that August coming up a little bit. Hopefully pulling the October with us and giving us a chance to hedge some of those October hogs up. Uh, I'm just not overly friendly after August on the hogs into the fall and winter months.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see a glutton supply coming in late fall. And I think market participants are looking for that opportunity to hedge. So I'm I'm afraid as we go forward here, impatience may lead to earlier hedging. And we may not make the objectives we're looking for. I know you and I are trying to get some 86 and $87 hedges put on in that October contract. Uh, maybe we can't get there. Uh, now with the trade that we've seen, in fact, I entered some 85 orders today saying, okay, well, if we get back up there, let's go ahead and get started, you know, that kind of thing.
1: And I do believe the market possibly could be head faking people on that. Everybody got so beat up on those June hogs. We continued wanting to believe that June hogs were gonna follow June cattle and the economy was gonna win out. And everybody got so beat up on those things that now, even though we see a strong cash market, Whether that pulls through or not, time will tell, but we have a very strong front-loaded market and I kind of feel like people are pulling the triggers on just locking in what they can, not waiting around.
0: Yeah, and I think we're going to continue to see that. And you know, no matter what any of us want to happen, ultimately the hedge market is what's going to dictate it at the end of the day. And that's going to be obviously uh, directly paralleling the cash market. So we, we just got to see how things progress over the next couple of months, and hopefully there's not so much supply that they just have to throw them uh, at the Packers and, and can hold out for a little better number.
1: It sure seems like there has been plenty of supply, though. We keep waiting. We got that Hogs and Pigs report coming out in September, I believe, correct? Yep. You know, how much stock do people put into that when the December one was obviously so accurate last year that... <laughs> right we traded hogs you know below what a fall hogs normally trade
0: yeah yeah it's just been it's been a nightmare to try to figure out but well is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it up here justin
1: oh uh, no i think i'm pretty good okay
0: well hope you have a good weekend hope all of our listeners have a good weekend and we'll see you back next week for the weekly recap
1: sounds good thanks eric
0: For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.